Hey guys, did President Eisenhower make an agreement with extraterrestrials? Well, my guest tonight, Paul Blake Smith, seems to think so. And we're going to be talking about it. See you in about five minutes. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. 
from faraway lands to your own backyard with a small dash of pixie dust. Turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? <laughs> I was late hitting the lights. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We're 45 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal problem, we can get to you. It may take us a while because it's a big state, but uh, we can definitely get to you. Uh, word of warning, I've got one spotlight out, so you might see me if I move my arms around. may not do it today. I did it yesterday where the lighting gets bright and then it goes down. <laughs> I've got uh, one of my producers is, is replacing the light, so I'm waiting for Amazon. Anyway, welcome to the show. We've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Um, I saw some stuff, in, and, and there's, there's history on this, and it's funny because American Horror Story, for what it's worth, whoever's doing their research and stuff, American, um, uh, American Horror Story did this and, and talked about this involvement with the pre, pre, uh, presidents and extraterrestrials and it was very it was very interesting and at the time i just kind of thought well it's american horror story so who cares but you know the the more i started doing research on it the more i realized that this could have actually happened my guest tonight uh paul blake smith has done research on this and he's going to be talking about that same exact thing and i really want to get him on because i'm really excited about this topic because i feel that there's, you know, the, the government knows a lot more than what they admit to as far as what's going on. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, if you're watching from Facebook and you like what you see and you haven't done so already, please feel free to hit that follow button. Uh, we, uh, we do shows. I'm just kind of tired of that. We do shows uh, Monday, uh, Sunday through Friday. And, uh, we, and they're all different types of topics. It's not just paranormal or UFOs or things like that. We do all kinds of topics. Even child abuse, we, we, we do topics on murders, we do topics on anything you can think of. Because I'm a journalist, and I'm also a photojournalist. So I like to mix it up. You know, that's my gig. But anyway, without further ado, let me bring Paul in and we can get started on this because this is something that absolutely fascinates me. So here we go. Hello, Hello sir. <laughs> How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm here in Missouri, uh, doing fine this time. Oh, this is our second time trying this. Uh, yeah. We got zapped by Mother Nature the last time we tried this. <laughs> what? How's life in the show me state? Oh, it's just fine and uh, almost hot and sunny today. Uh, for your uh, viewers, uh, you and I tried to hook up uh, a, like a week ago. Mm -hmm. And about a half hour before I went on the air, I heard rumbling and thunder outside. It just came out of the blue. And before you know it, huge lightning blasts, and it just zapped our whole internet system in this apartment building, and it took down some other things. And I was frantic. I didn't know how to get back in touch with you, but the whole building was fried. There was nothing I could do. So here we are today. And uh, I agree with your intro that uh, this sounds like a pretty wild story, but the more you research it, the more you find that this probably did happen, uh, that the president of the United States met with some friendly aliens who came down in California. And it would have to be California, huh? Uh, I'm not quite sure why they picked it, other than the remoteness of Edwards Air Force Base. If you oh, wanted a landing away from the public eye, it's surrounded by rings of mountains out in the desert, and there's hardly any small towns around. So right. you could control the setting with, you know, armed guards to keep people out. And uh, at night, uh, they apparently landed during the day and they met with Air Force officials at the base who questioned them first and figured, you know, these really are friendly. And they called in President Eisenhower and he was golfing in Palm Springs and he went over there and everything went off uh, pretty much without a hitch. Only uh, it was a little over our heads. <laughs> uh, as uh, I don't want to give away all the suspense, right. but President Eisenhower did tell them in the end, our world just isn't ready for this right now. You're going to have to go. <laughs> um, he was as friendly, and they were friendly, and they spoke English. So uh, it makes for a terrific story. 
I really do believe it's true. And I put together every source I could find, every little scrap or tidbit to back it up. It is circumstantial evidence, I know, because we don't have the film footage. And that's right. something that's been alleged, that there's film footage of this. So uh, I'd love to get my hands on that. I'll send Charlotte and her team uh, into digging <laughs> in the Well, I remember when I was a kid seeing a magazine. I think it was Argosy Magazine. When I was it a kid. Been, yeah. Uh, in 1982, it came out in the National Enquirer. And it got mm -hmm. such a stir that it was syndicated in several U.S. newspapers. Uh, the big story at that time was that uh, a United States Air Force test pilot who had been retired and was still on a military pension and did not want to lose that pension uh, requested anonymity and said, I want to tell you this story before uh, everyone dies out. He says, everyone that it was at this encounter, from what I understand, is deceased. I'm the last one alive and I don't want it to die out. So he told a UFO researcher and the National Enquirer did a expose on this. I know the Enquirer is not always the most reputable uh, magazine, but in those days they took UFOs quite seriously and even offered uh, a cash prize of like $50,000 or something for hard proof. Uh, and so uh, I contacted the author of the uh, National Enquirer story named Dari Matera. And I said, is this still a valid story in your mind? He says, oh, yes, very much so. He does not take a word back. He thinks it really happened. He wrote the facts as he knew them then. He didn't exaggerate or distort. So that was another factor in, in you know, taking this seriously. This test pilot said it really happened. He said, I was called in for this uh, due to my expertise in like aerodynamics and flight and mm -hmm. to have uh, a younger voice there. He said President Eisenhower did come in. There he was, the President of the United States. And uh, these extraterrestrials stepped out of their craft to greet him, and they spoke English, and that's how they communicated. Wow. How did you find out about all this? I mean, I mean, are there, are there classified documents pertaining to this, or is it just word of mouth that you're finding out? Finding uh, out word of mouth, bits and pieces. Um, uh, Frank Edwards was a, a mutual broadcast system uh, extremely popular radio man, a newsman in his day, and he gave fair amount of time to authentic sounding UFO stories. And he aired this in the spring of 54. And what a coincidence, he was fired shortly thereafter sure. for talking about this on the air. And he uh, backtracked authors over the years, and it appeared in a few books in the 50s. One man said, I interviewed in the summer of 54, a man from Edwards Air Force Base. And the guy told me, oh, yes, Eisenhower was here. The base was on lockdown. Anyone trying to come in was told to beat it. And even that included some of the soldiers at the base uh, who were told, you know, here's your possessions. Go get lost for a few days. So uh, another sort that said, um, my husband was talking to this carpenter in the summer of 54. And he said, the carpenter told him, oh, I know for a fact, Eisenhower visited the Air Force Base earlier in the year. It was kind of a secret. I, I can't believe that never leaked to the newspapers. And there's just bits and pieces like that. Uh, one woman said, uh, my husband told me he worked in the Pentagon, saw the actual photographs of, they took some still photos of uh, the, the aliens and Eisenhower meeting with them. Another source has said there's black and white film footage of the event and color film footage. And at one point, uh, some of the footage ends abruptly because the extraterrestrial vehicles clashed with the technology of the movie camera and knocked out one of the cameras. But it uh, makes sense. Eisenhower, like they were actually were going to attack him or that uh, as for crass political reasons, he could show this to the American people if he wanted to and say, look who aliens chose to land and speak to. Me, uh, you'll want to reelect me in 1956. Well, he never did that. Uh, there was a, a rumor going around that he was going to make an announcement to the public in May of 1954, uh, but uh, the powers that be, his advisors, national security people told him, don't do this. <laughs> Don't make even an announcement. Let us study the situation even more. Apparently, the date for this was February 19th, 1954, Friday night. 
So uh, it was scheduled in advance. This was not impromptu. Eisenhower was staying at a friend's guest house in Palm Springs, California, flew 2,700 miles from D.C. to be there. And the guest house was specially added on. They had a year to build this thing with a huge amount of telephone lines and secret service quarters. And so this was set up as something he wanted to do as soon as he took office, I guess, in January of 53. So by one year later, he pulled it off, uh, pretending that he was out in Palm Springs just to play golf, which is pretty flimsy because he played golf constantly at the Masters tournament we just saw on TV this past weekend. He played there dozens and dozens of times. They even built him a home on the golf course called the Eisenhower House. So for him to go 2,700 miles just to play golf, that was the cover story to give him an excuse uh, to take off one night and go meet with these uh, friendly aliens in a prearranged visit. Well, if you're saying that, then that means they do, even before he met with the aliens, the, the other presidents ahead of him or, or somebody, you know, in Congress or whatever already knew about aliens. Yeah, uh, he was chief of staff of the Army and another position for President uh, Truman. Uh, they oh. got along professionally, but not too well personally. And then he decided to run for president to replace Harry Truman. And in January of um, 52, before he announced for the presidency, he was over in Europe doing an inspection tour of military sites uh, and on a, a warship, the USS Franklin Roosevelt, uh, he apparently had a UFO sighting. This is according to a man who was there, and he wrote a new New York uh, newspaper article in 1997 or 98 and said Eisenhower was on the ship that was rocking and rolling in a storm. It was raining. It was miserable. Mm -hmm. And uh, he came up in the middle of the night looking for coffee up onto the bridge of the ship, and they were all kind of alerted. There's the... <laughs> the general who might someday be president, and uh, he was a very revered figure. And while they were all shooting the breeze, having coffee at like two or three in the morning, they looked out amidst the lightning blasts, and there was this silver disc hovering over the warship. And they all just stood there staring at it. Uh, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. Uh, it was uh, round and uh, uh, silent, and it was not bothered at all by the rain, the wind, and the lightning. And it, it, the guy said, I think it lasted like 10 to 15 minutes. It was not a, a fleeting thing. It really just hung there for them. And then it took off. And President Eisenhower supposedly told the men on the bridge, well, I'll look into this. Keep it under your hats for now until you hear back from me. And he said, we never heard back from him. He, he apparently found out this was not something to be discussed. But uh, a few weeks later, he announced, I am running for president. And he won in a landslide. He was so popular. So he may well have, if that story is true, uh, his own sighting, and he knew uh, that it was a factual reality. You could say that when he was uh, head of the Army for uh, Truman, the Roswell crash happened, and there are a couple of documents, they may well be authentic, that mention Eisenhower wants this person to go to the crash site, and he wants uh, a report written for the president on the Roswell findings. So that's another factor that he could well have been quite familiar with what uh, was going on in the skies. And supposedly there was this high frequency radio wave communication between military scientists that set up communication mm -hmm. and they set this up in advance, carefully uh, laid out. Uh, there was a New Hampshire state representative named Henry W. McElroy, who said, I got to see some documents uh, that said, we told President Eisenhower that there were the aliens in this contact we were undergoing, this communication back and forth, who wanted to meet him. And they said the recommendation within this report was that he should go. And the congressman looks at the camera in this video from 2010 and said, when I read it, it said Eisenhower did go and it was a successful meeting. So this is yet another little piece of the puzzle that tells you this really did happen. So on this uh, Friday night, uh, February 19th, there was a big party for the media at a hotel in Palm Springs. And I think that was deliberate, too, to distract them so he could sneak out of town, uh, take a short flight out to Edwards. Uh, once the OK was given by uh, base officials who met with these aliens when they landed, uh, 
and uh, he spoke in English and had got quite an eyeful. Would you like the details? <laughs> um, yeah, I think the details yeah. would be great that's, on this. Yeah, that's what we're here for. The goodies. Let's hear it. Let's hear yeah. it. Let's hear it. They came down in five ships. Three were elong, uh, three were circular mm -hmm. or disc shaped, and two were elongated, like um, cigar shaped. So uh, they may well have been fired upon uh, upon their entry to Edwards Air Force Base. What a greeting, huh? Uh, there was a sergeant from the U.S. Uh, either Air Force or the Army says I was stationed at the base, mm -hmm. and he told the UFO investigator named Gabe Green that uh, these five craft came down, three circular, two elongated, and we were at target practice, artillery. And this general said, open fire on those bogeys. So we turned our guns on the uh, alien craft that came down out of the sky, out of the clear blue. Apparently they didn't get the memo. There was going to be a meeting that day. And they said, uh, we fired upon them and our missiles had absolutely no effect whatsoever. The discs and the, and the craft just came down to a soft, quiet landing across the base on uh, the edge of a uh, runway near a hangar that was open. And that's where they sat. And they uh, apparently the aliens were human-like. Uh, I call them like cousins of humans. It was like a, almost like a family reunion or a picnic or something where your long lost cousins show up. Uh, according to the test pilot who was there, the aliens were uh, slightly misshapen by human standards. And I'm just guessing, but I think a reasonable guess was their planet had a di different atmosphere and they maybe had enlarged uh, lungs or chest or okay. diaphragm for breathing or wider nostrils or something. Uh, I've been reading lately that scientists feel that it is very likely there are other Earth-like planets in the cosmos and that human beings probably evolved on them. There could be thousands of human uh, life forms, some in caveman stages, some uh, like us, some mm -hmm. far more advanced. They're speculating, but they really seriously feel this is going on and that we will eventually discover this through uh, cosmology and telescopes and these satellites and space programs that we send out to like the Hubble telescope and such. So uh, those are stories that have been recently in the news, and that fits to almost a T what this test pilot said happened, that these were almost human-like beings, and uh, they spoke in English. They were familiar with our customs, our language, and they had a perfectly good reason for coming down and talking to the man in charge, President Eisenhower. Um, oh. What about the, the, that rumored agreement? Yeah. During the course of their conversation, they formed an agreement. There's a man named uh, Don Phillips who mm -hmm. worked for Skunk Works and said, I was shown he worked on all this high tech stuff for like stealth technology. And they showed me, he said, this um, uh, this report. And in the report, it said President Eisenhower did meet with friendly human like aliens. And he apparently told them, well, <laughs> How can we stop you? You're so advanced. And that was one of the problems. They could really do anything they want. So he managed to negotiate a bit of a treatment treaty that asked them, could you kind of stay at arm's length? Don't set down anywhere. Don't start a panic. We don't need society chaos. Uh, try to make your appearances in our atmosphere very brief if you have to. And in exchange, we'll set up an airbase in Nevada where you can land in private and we'll supply you with uh, flora and fauna and scientific uh, samples and you'll give us some technology in return, according to this uh, document that was leaked in 2017. It's a government document. I think you can see it online. It just says top secret uh, mm -hmm. or ultra top secret. And it was a Defense Intelligence Agency document from January 1989, probably a briefing document for the incoming new George H.W. Bush administration. And uh -huh. in the document, it says Eisenhower met in 1954 with aliens and formed an agreement. And part of it was what I just told you, that uh, uh -huh. they set up a, a base in Nevada. And there may have been an agreement over allowing these human-like beings to take some humans in a rural setting and to look them over and try not to harm them and uh, do your study and put them back and keep an accurate list of uh, who you've taken. 
And apparently this didn't turn out quite as anyone hoped. And it's possible that another race took advantage of this and started abducting people in a very cold-blooded manner, probing them uh, and putting them back uh, without many memories that uh, maybe they could recall under hypnosis or something. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. kind of a, a bit of a mess. Apparently, there's more than one race that comes here. Well, Eisenhower formed an agreement with this one race, but that may have opened a Pandora's box sure. to let others come in. And I'm sure they're saying, well, what about us? What do we get? So uh, that gets a little over my head. But in doing some research on whatever agreement they came to, I would put it into a Google search. And it said 10-year agreement. And I couldn't find any more about this. But I did look up 10 years later, the presidential digitized records of President Lyndon B. Johnson. What did he do on February 19th, 1964? Turns out he was on the phone to President Eisenhower, and the next day he flew all the way out to California to meet with Eisenhower in private at his golf course home, and they had uh, more than one meeting, and there's these gaps in their schedule, and something was going on on the exact 10-year uh, agreement point that if he had formed a uh, this treaty with aliens, it mm -hmm. apparently could have needed uh, upgrading, uh, approving for another 10 years or five mm -hmm. years. And so it, it just can't be a coincidence that Eisenhower, of all the places he could have met uh, mm -hmm. President Johnson, like in the White House sure. or um, perhaps at Camp David or just talking the phone, he didn't want an A going back and forth between them or mm -hmm. even a letter. They had to talk in private at Eisenhower's home. So that's a red flag to me. And Lyndon Johnson arrived back in 68 uh, on the 14th anniversary. Exactly. And they showed uh, pictures of him golfing with Ike in Palm Springs, California on that date. And I don't know what was going on then, but here we are, the 19th, the 19th. And after Johnson, I had found that President Nixon went to an Air Force base at night, supposedly with his friend, conservative comedian, Jackie Gleason, and they looked over extraterrestrial evidence, according to Jackie's wife. And that's the subject of my latest book coming out uh, maybe within a month or so, uh, the Nixon-Gleason Alien Encounter. It's kind of a sequel to my Eisenhower book, um, mm -hmm. which you see over my corner there. Uh, President Eisenhower's Close Encounters. So I'll have more to say about and uh, what the February 9th business could have been about. It's all pretty exciting. <laughs> I wish we had more leaked documents, more people coming forward. It's so tough to get anything solid, but we are going to have some congressional hearings, as I understand it, next month and put some okay. people on the stand under growth and talk of whistleblower seen and experienced that we are in contact with aliens and we have some of their technology. And that's even something Senator Harry Reid said that he learned when he was Senator uh, from Nevada and the Skunk Works program out there, sound familiar? And that he was Senate Majority Leader and he wanted more investigations and approved funding for uh, secret, uh, then secret, now revealed uh, congressional UFO studies. So uh, next month could get very interesting. You said in the beginning of this interview that Eisenhower, you know, in talking with the aliens, kind of was reneging because and the impression you gave me was he was kind of afraid to come into an agreement with them. Was it, was it because you think? Well, I think he... Yeah, I think he formed the original agreement at that time, at that night. He mm -hmm. was vouching on another economic crash. Everyone remembered uh, uh, the, the stock market crash and the depression of the uh, 1930s and that right. he didn't want uh, industry finance and economy go into, into the tank. And everyone from his generation also remembered the panic from the War of the Worlds radio broadcast of October sure. 30th, 1938 with Orson Welles. People were fooled by this simple radio play in which they were told over and over, it's just a play, folks. Right. Some people did kind of panic around the country. 
So that's an example of what he was hoping to avoid and to get this agreement. You're not going to start anything, are you? Uh, keep things uh, very remote and, you know, don't show yourselves too much. But the main reason, uh, according to this Air Force test pilot who was there, that the aliens wanted to meet with Ike in person was to complain about Eisenhower's uh, nuclear uh, test uh, detonations, atom bomb tests. He was setting them off in the air, in the soil, above the land, in the water. And uh, the aliens supposedly told him, you're polluting your planet and it's leaking into outer space. Can you please stop this? And I think that's a pretty legitimate uh, reason for aliens sure. to risk a lot and come down and say, we need to speak to the man in charge. And that was Eisenhower. And he told the aliens, supposedly, according to the witness, I'm not going to disarm unilaterally. You'll have to get other nations to, uh, you know, agree to uh, stop producing them and stop testing them. So he continued his program as of May 54, and I think there were a few after that. And then JFK came in and formed a, a nuclear test ban treaty, which was a pretty good thing that everyone agreed to. So uh, what Kennedy knew about any of this, I don't know, but I did include some of that in my final chapter, these rumors that he also went to Palm Springs. I mean, that's not a rumor. Uh -huh. uh, Kennedy traveled to Palm Springs and even met with Marilyn Monroe, sure. apparently, according to witnesses, in private there. And he met uh, with uh, President Eisenhower at his golf course home. There's photographs of the two of them together. They had a private closed-door meeting that has never been uh, revealed what they were talking about. Uh -huh. uh, that would have been in, uh, I think, March of 62, missing the February 19th deadline by a few weeks, but not too much. And uh, in his short presidency, uh, Kennedy met with Eisenhower at that golf course home two more times. Uh -huh. So something was up uh, again. Uh, were they discussing the nature of extraterrestrial visitation, friendly or perhaps unfriendly? Uh, it's, it's spooky. I wish we knew more. Uh, I wish someone from the government would like leak a file or oops, I accidentally released this yeah. long held document. Oh, well, what can you do? But uh, I don't know anything about hacking, so I can't help you there. Again, we're going to have to count on Charlotte and her team to dig into it. Uh, we're counting on you in what California. Um, a question in the chat room is, what was the name of that congressman? They're curious. Henry curious. W. McElroy, state congressman from New Hampshire. Now, I also had a question. Well, how did he get a hold of this document that said right. Eisenhower met with aliens? And I've been told since the publication of my book, that uh, Mr. McElroy was uh, a relation of a whistleblower who has already come forward to say extraterrestrials are coming here and that uh, we have the evidence and that we have actually met with them. And that's where he got this document. Uh, Mr. McElroy was getting into it with the powers that be at the time, and he wanted to get a little revenge on him by revealing this huge secret. And it was a real risk that he took. Uh, uh, back in 2010, and I think you can still find the video on YouTube uh, or Google it. Uh, he says exactly what I told you, that uh, I read this document and it said Eisenhower uh, was encouraged to go. And he says, as of my understanding, he did go. Hmm. Um, I interviewed somebody, <coughs> excuse me, when I was first doing my show, like, 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 tw like 20 years ago, when I was on Blog Talk Radio. And the gentleman had told me that uh, all the presidents have been involved in this. At that time, Clinton was, well, not Clinton, but uh, Bush Jr. was president. And, but, he, but he mentioned Bill Clinton all, all the way up. I mean, everybody knew about all this. I can believe that. I think they know more than what they're telling. You see Bush, Clinton, and Obama on talk shows like Jimmy Kimmel mm -hmm. and uh, Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon, and they'll ask him, you know, they want to know the truth. Are we being visited or not? And they're serious. And the uh, ex-presidents just give kind of a flippant answer. They don't really want to give you a straight answer. And I think that is your answer. That tells you, yeah, they know, and they can't talk about it for reasons of national security. They don't want to start a panic or reveal something they were sworn to keep their mouth shut about. But I think their answers that they give you, evasive or humorous, uh -huh. That pretty much tells you there's something really there. Uh, I don't think too many of our presidents have actually met them, 
maybe beyond Eisenhower, possibly Johnson, possibly Nixon. But uh, uh, I would say I don't know of any that may have, although Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan both had UFO sightings uh -huh. in their time and talked about them uh, at least a little bit. Now, when you talk about um, Eisenhower talking about uh, talking to the other countries, you know, to, to control the nuclear stuff, I know there's reports of even Prince Philip. Yes. Yeah. Prince Philip, apparently, it's quite serious that he had a huge UFO book collection. My publisher sent him a copy of uh, uh, my book here, and he died like a month and a half later. So I don't know if he got it and read it, but he could have. And he, I've seen photographs. He met with Eisenhower uh, in England, and they were pretty good pals from the look of all these photographs. Uh -huh. It could have been something they discussed and was... Um, uh, any extraterrestrial landing and talking to the powers that be in England? I don't know. But there is a story that Lord Mountbatten uh, had a, a silver disc craft seen on the lawn of his home by an employee who was on a bicycle at the time. And he went by and he said, I saw this. And, you know, this could be an example that they did come down and meet in the rural setting where not a lot of people were around. Uh, we can't prove it, but uh, something, I think Prince Philip knew plenty. It fascinated him. Uh, uh, there was another story that he met with like Mr. Janus or Dr. Janus or something like that, who was uh, supposedly either in touch with aliens or he was an alien in human form. Uh, I wish I knew more about that story. I can't embrace it, but I don't dismiss it either. Do you think that we're ever going to get the truth? From our government, I don't have a whole lot of faith. They've kept this secret for at least 82 years. I think there was a UFO crash outside my hometown of Cape Girardeau, Missouri, uh -huh. in late April 1941. They jumped all over this and hushed it up and swore people to secrecy, threatened them, apparently. And uh -huh. it's been a cover-up and a secret that they've kept from the American public ever since. Sometimes I think they should throw everything open, and then sometimes I worry that we might have some panic in case some of these that are coming here aren't too friendly. Right. And maybe we would be in a little trouble. I don't think we're in any threat to be invaded. They would have done this long ago before we were all armed to the teeth and angry and full of germs and bacteria and viruses. It would be really stupid right now to try to invade planet Earth. But uh, you wonder if they would step in in case we were on the verge of a nuclear war that would produce, you know, a nuclear winter, all this radiation. If they spoke to Eisenhower about these detonations, would they step in again? Uh, I would sure hope so, as the world right. becomes more and more dangerous here in 2023. But the thing is, you know, when, when you think about Eisenhower not wanting to power down the nuclear stuff, you can kind of understand it because if those guys were shooting at those things and they were having no effect, I mean, if you're a president of the United States, you don't yeah. want to power down when you've got these, these things that yeah. you can't use regular well, stuff on. Then it. again, why bother to create any machinery, you know, because they already attacked, <laughs> we already attacked them and made, sure. got nowhere that our uh, artillery had no effect on their uh, technology that arrived. That probably sent him a message right there. You know, we're dealing with uh, intelligent beings. Uh, the Air Force test pilot who was there said the aliens put on two different shows that convinced Eisenhower, you're going to have to go. And the first one was an air show. They got in their craft uh, at night uh, and stepped in and said, look what we can do. Uh, look at this technology. And they invited Eisenhower and the men around him securing the base Come on in and, and take a ride. I think Eisenhower told him, I don't think that's a good idea, but he let them put on a show and they lifted up and spun around and uh, zipped about way faster and better than our air aircraft could ever hope to do. As we see in so many UFO sightings and videos now, people are capturing with their cameras mm -hmm. and their uh, cell phones and such. So when they sat down, they did something else and that was the last straw. They cloaked themselves. The test pilot said they made themselves invisible. He said, we knew they were there. We could hear them, uh -huh. but we could no longer see them with our naked eyes. 
And uh, this is cloaking technology that we're just now starting to learn about, according to what I read, the US military. And uh, it was unnerving. We knew they were there. And then they reappeared. And they may have even uh, moved a little uh, from where they, they were originally, like stepped a few steps to the right or left to show, you know, they were still there. And this was like Eisenhower's last <laughs> uh, last straw. I said, you're going to have to leave. We're not ready. Our people are not ready for this. Uh -huh. And so uh, you can understand him doing so. The sure. 2017 leaked documents from 1989 stated that Eisenhower did meet two more times uh, in July of 54 and February of 55. And the late Art Campbell did some excellent research showing that Eisenhower did show up at Holloman Air Force Base in New Mexico and witnesses there said two silver craft came down out of the sky and met his uh, Air Force One out on the runway and that uh, they had a little meeting there. Uh, one of his witnesses was an electrician who was working on a telephone pole, and he was so shocked he scooted down that pole real fast. He couldn't believe what he was seeing, that these two silver discs, one hung up in the air and the second landed on uh, the tarmac, and uh, uh, a figure or two were seen walking around between the two craft, and uh, that uh, apparently uh, another person from the base said Eisenhower came in and swore everyone on the base to secrecy, and he said, let's not tell the media about this. Let's oh. keep this to ourselves. And then he took off after a few more hours for uh, uh, his hunting vacation in Georgia, where he had told the press he had the sniffles and wouldn't be around for a day or two. And that was his excuse to secretly fly out to uh, Holloman Air Force Base. So the stories do kind of hang together. And uh, what's pieced together in that document and all the other little bits and pieces I could gather up. And as someone, uh, one podcast host uh, told me, you know, this really is the greatest story ever when you think sure about is. it. The President of the United States, friendly aliens, advanced craft, putting on a show, making themselves invisible. This is awesome. So uh, my agent and I have talked to some Hollywood people about this, but there's a couple of problems. It would cost a lot to produce a movie, high-tech stuff for the aliens, their craft. Uh, also recreating 1954, the hairstyles, the cars, the clothes, that would run up a huge uh, bill for, you know, uh, producing a movie. So it doesn't, it doesn't look too good. Plus, apparently California is bracing up for a Writers Guild strike uh, in Hollywood. Yeah, and so that's just going to make a mess of everything. So well, you know, uh, I wish it could be on the big screen, but I can't promise anything. Well, American Horror Story kind of did it. Yeah, I was told I haven't seen it, and I'm not sure if I want to. I heard like, like I seen there I am. Uh, I would not uh, recommend viewing that, but uh, uh, if for just for entertainment purposes, they did do the story. Uh, also, there's a small film called The Eleventh Green by Christopher Munch. And he has President right. Eisenhower reminiscing about the time he met with aliens. And there, there was film cameras, the old kind of newsreels, uh, uh, picking it up in this Air Force hangar at Edwards. So he did something like this. He did not see my book in advance. So uh, uh, that could be something. The 11th Green uh, uh, feature film, uh, not a major release, but still there's something. I just wonder if, like, like at the time when Eisenhower said, well, we don't have this kind of technology, we're not ready for this, and now we're just getting to the point where they're looking at cloaking devices and stuff that, that, that the alien races that they have the agreement with aren't feeding us this stuff only at, at different increments as we progress because they're keeping an eye on what we're doing. I think he's frozen. I think he's frozen, guys. But that's the, the that's, that's sort of cloak yeah. uh, anything, but uh, our scientists first have to understand it and be able to apply it, uh, mm -hmm. uh, probably to military and weaponization purposes, you know, to defend mm -hmm. America from our sworn enemies. But uh, it it reminds us of Star Trek, doesn't it? Where they had a cloaking yes. device that they stole from like the Klingons and uh, right. applied it to the Enterprise and went invisible and got away. Uh, maybe something like that will happen or is happening. 
where uh, you see the occasional video of some sort of big shadow on the ground and you look up and there's no plane or disc and you wonder right. what's going on. Is this a cloaked ship, but yet it's still casting a large shadow. So it's pretty wild, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Now for your interest in all this, have you seen any uh, UFOs yourself? No, I have not. Believe it or not, people come up and tell me their story and I don't have one. Uh, uh, there was a travel channel show not too long ago. I'm watching and here's a UFO kind of a square metal box type thing flipping around in the middle of the air shown on the travel channel taken from a street. I drive up and down almost every day here where I live in Missouri. I didn't see anything. How come this guy got to see it? Uh, so I'm kind of jealous. I never see a darn thing, but uh, people tell me their stories and, you know, we saw this disc it hovered silently and people were standing just with their mouths hanging open uh, I had a little old lady who lived across the hall from me in her 90s. She said she was a little girl on a farm in uh, Alabama, and she and her father stood there watching this disc come down in a distant pasture, and she wanted to go look at it closer, and her father held her back and said, no, let them do what they got to do. Uh -huh. And she said, we stood there watching from a distance until it took off. And this was a church-going Christian who would never make up any sort of story. And so I hear this stuff and read stories like that. And I'm thinking, yeah, we're absolutely being visited, monitored, watched. But they don't seem too friendly for landing as Eisenhower asked them to. Don't come down and, you know, introduce yourselves, especially in a major city. Or, uh, you know, just hover over a football game or something with 50,000 people in the stands. They have not done so. Uh, uh, I don't know what the reaction would be today. Today, we're more braced up for it, don't you think? Oh, I uh, think so. I think TV shows and movies, and we talk about it on podcasts and comic books and books. So uh, in 1954, people were a little less uh, accepting or uh, mentally uh, ready to accept uh, that we're being uh, visited. Although The Day the Earth Stood Still was a terrific movie, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. But I've always kind of felt that because, you know, when you talk about the hybrids, you know, that, hy that, that, that hybrid program, I think we're already living around them. I think they're already here. I do. And I think all this buildup with the government now, you know, like, like you say, the, the discussions next month, you know, little by little, they're, they're building us up to the point that discovery is going to be made. Contact is going to be made. But it's going to be the guy living across the street that you didn't even realize. Yeah, that's what my agent says. She thinks we're in a drip by drip gradual disclosure, yeah. that they don't want to just unleash a bombshell on everyone, mm -hmm. that they allow these sort of things. Now, I have a contact who has a lot of contacts beyond me. Mm -hmm. And he looked into the Eisenhower story and said, Paul, I didn't believe it at first, but now I do my contacts in military intelligence and even uh, the TV networks. Tell me that this story is really true. It did happen. And then he looked in the Nixon story and said, yes, Nixon did go to Homestead Air Force Base and uh, created a, uh, an agreement that like one upped his old boss, Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I believe this guy, my source, I can't tell you his name and he can't tell me the names of his sources, but he's a serious guy. And uh, it just kind of like as the icing on the cake for me that I'm pretty sure these things really did happen. Uh, and that he said, Paul, your books are being allowed, <laughs> is the way they put it. Uh, you know, uh, uh, maybe in years past, they would have bumped me off, threatened me, silenced me. But in today's world, they kind of want to brace people up. And so uh, my books go forward and uh, uh, hopefully people will enjoy them. Uh, you can find them on Amazon or at foundations or argusbooks.com. And uh, it's uh, been a fun way to write about something I really enjoy and uh, want to know more about. And I think the American people do too. I, mm -hmm. I talk to the occasional person who will snap shut. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to hear about that. That's just nonsense. Or, you know, it's just uh, something they, they are afraid of, or they, they think is nonsense or science fiction. But for the most part, people I talk to, the majority are, are quite fascinated, intrigued. They believe we are being visited. It's not that big a deal, uh -huh. and that they want to know all the details. So uh, I tell them to um, read open-mindedly, be a, a, an open-minded skeptic, which is what I kind of am, that I come from a cynical family, and uh -huh. I don't believe in everything. Uh, one classic example is I hold no 
basis for truth in the Valiant Thor story, that this alien landed in Virginia in human form, and he was taken right away to the Oval Office and met with Eisenhower, and uh, he lived in the Pentagon. Uh, I found in Eisenhower's digitized records the date they give for this. Eisenhower wasn't even in the country, and that the author of this book served time in prison for drug trafficking and that he was looking yeah, looking for a way to make some money. So I think he made this story up. I don't believe it. Uh, every time you see Valiant Thor online in a picture, it's a different guy. <laughs> it's a different person and it's just uh, silly nonsense to me. Isn't there a certain amount of time for classified uh, papers to be declassified? In theory, yes. Uh, they put a date on at least some of them, but... Um, uh, the JFK documents are a perfect example. They were supposed to expire, and the government looks at them and says, well, you can have these little dribs and drabs, and then we're going to reclassify and put them on uh, another 10 years, 20 years, and you're not going to see this, even mm -hmm. though supposedly the official story is that President Kennedy was shot by a nutcase who just woke up one morning and acted alone. Well, if that's the case, reveal everything. Shouldn't be any problem but these huge amount of documents are still being kept from us. And I think it's probably the same way with um, many a UFO report. Well, as a newspaper reporter and probably you, because, because you're looking into this stuff, I mean, for people that don't know what classified doc, what, what declassified documents look like, it's a lot of guessing work when you get them because everything of, of pertinent names, everything is blacked out. Right, redacted, yes. Uh, Michael's yeah, three words, and then boom, yeah. boom, 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 boom. Next three words, and you're trying yeah. to get through it. You can have these documents, but they're all blacked out or whited out or smeared or something, and uh, it's, it becomes a total joke. You can barely read, like, one full sentence. Yeah. And so we're frustrated. That we're supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. These documents, in a sense, belong to us. The government belongs right. to us but we keep getting the shaft over and over. To write a book like yours, or the two, or, 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 the, or the second book you wrote, how long did it take to put that all together? Because, I mean, you would have had to go look at documents and then find people that, that are going to talk to you. Right. Uh, it took years. And here's a huge problem. Everyone's dead from 1941 and the Cape Girardi UFO story. Everyone's dead from the Eisenhower story. I'm finding almost everyone's dead from the Nixon-Gleason encounter 50 years ago, February 19th, 1973. So I just do the best I can going through uh, books, uh, websites, videos, uh, what I know from um, digitized records, you can go to presidential records and they're now online and check the president's schedule. And lo and behold, on the February 19th, uh, Nixon's schedule uh, stops at like 8.30 at night for that particular night. And it says document was removed from files. Oh, what a coincidence. Exactly. And you don't find out. The next day he took off uh, from Homestead Air Force Base, flew back to uh like Washington by way of South Carolina. And it's just another example. Curses foiled again. <laughs> Did you ever uh, wonder or find out? Because like you say, he was kind of not, not afraid of them, but I mean, you know, hey, you guys are way above you know, what we can do. Yeah, he still signed. He still supposedly signed an agreement. Yeah. And Congress apparently didn't see it. So how constitutional is this? How legal is this? He had to do something. Mm -hmm. He wanted to protect America and he did the best he could is all I can say. And yet we're not allowed to read the treaty. No one is, <laughs> uh, I think his national security advisor probably helped piece it together. And that caused the, the need for a second or third meeting to have uh, signatures, the exact wording. And if the aliens wrote, uh, they had hands and wrote, which I think mm -hmm. they did, uh, they wrote their signature and came to an agreement. And it probably did last for about 10 years and needed upgrading and renewing maybe tweaking a little bit. Uh, and so uh, it's it's just shocking when you first hear about it. And the more you hear and more you read, it kind of makes sense. Uh, the world's gone kind of crazy and dangerous since then. And aliens aren't always, you know, what we fear anymore. It's like foreign powers with weapons of mass destruction or just crossing the street, you know, opening one, hoping one of your fellow citizens don't go nuts with a weapon. But uh, in Eisenhower's day, I think he did the best he could to protect us. 
that was something he said was like his top priority as American. What, I asked myself, what's the best for America? And then I act upon that. And I think he did so again. Mm -hmm. Do you think, though, even with that agreement that there, there, there was an agreement to trade their technology for whatever they were getting from us? Like, I mean, you know, look at what's happened since the 50s. You know, you got microwave ovens, you've got all these all this really cool stuff even in the home. So do you think, well, 5G, I mean, here we are, right? 5G, 5G technology. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, little by little with, with this agreement that, that this is coming from them? It could be, you know, Colonel Philip Corso said, we took technology from the Roswell craft and ingratiated it into corporate America. And they took it and they kind of ran with it and fixed it up, including a night vision goggles and such. Sure. And uh, some other stuff that, uh, uh, again, scientific tip stuff is a little over my head, but uh -huh. it could have been that way. One report from the Eisenhower encounter said they gifted a disc to us. So I put in my book various stories that said uh, they people said they saw this disc in an aircraft hangar at Edwards over the decades that followed. And one man uh, said he saw it in the 60s. Another man said he saw it in like the late 50s. And so uh, one story claims that the aliens even allowed uh, human beings to step up and pick up their craft, a circular disc, and carry it and lug it around because it was so lightweight. The technology was so advanced. That's a pretty cool story, too. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's true. Uh, I suspect it could be. They offered very openly, you want to come in and look around? You want to even go up in the air with us? And uh, Eisenhower is very protective. I think he put the kibosh on that. I just find this so fascinating. And it's the reason why is not only, you know, Eisenhower wasn't, like you say, Eisenhower was not the only president involved in this. I mean, there were other presidents that, that like, like you say, if this agreement ends on a certain day, they're signing a new agreement to keep everything going. Yes, but it'd be interesting to see what is exactly in that agreement. How many people are they allowed to take, and all this is going on? Yeah, you know, and like you say, you know, it opened the door for the other types of aliens to come in, like reptilians or greys right. or gosh knows what's out there. Right. Uh, I think President Reagan had a very active interest, and there's a transcript supposedly he met at um, Camp David with some CIA people who told him that, yes, we are being visited. And uh, he says in this transcript, President Nixon showed me this device from a, a, a craft, an alien craft. And that is actually part of the Eisenhower story that we got our hands on a device for communication from a crash disc and used it. And that's how we uh, formed this back and forth communication, that there was this small communications device that's uh, got military scientists to uh, do some back and forth with the aliens who uh, didn't threaten us in any way. Uh, the, uh, the Air Force test pilot, who was the eyewitness, didn't say anything about uh, space weapons or they were uh, in any way hostile or pushy. He said they kept a bit of a distance. Eisenhower surrounded himself with uh, some bodyguards. And in going through Eisenhower's digitized records, I found uh, a, a note uh, from 1955 that said, we want to commemorate uh, the uh, 1954, February 19th visit by these Georgia Highway Patrolmen in Palm Springs uh, during Eisenhower's visit. I'm thinking, what in the world are uh, Georgia State Troopers doing in Palm Springs, California on the exact date of the encounter? And I'm thinking those might be the special bodyguards that the Air Force test pilot. Eisenhower, as it turned out, went to um, Georgia and the Masters Golf Course so many times he had the same uh, highway patrol train because he uh -huh. was very So he did go February 19th. There's that date again and protected Eisenhower's special security, they said that day. Well, officially, all Eisenhower did was play some golf and then uh, went uh -huh. home. <laughs> uh, but we know that uh, that's not the whole story. It's just, it's just mind boggling. Absolutely mind boggling. The other thing I was thinking while you were talking was that 
my father, you know, when you talk about trading, you know, trading back and forth for technologies, my father was at Disneyland probably in the early 60s with my sister and brother. And he remembers AT&T had a system just like this, just like we're on right now. Oh, visually, back, yeah. Yeah, in the, early oh. six, in, the, in the early 60s. And, I mean, right now, you know, with Zoom coming out like it did, it's like all the technology seems to have come out, you know, in the late 90s to the 2000s. But in reality, we had this way back in the early, early 60s. So maybe that was part of that trade. Yeah, I don't know what takes so long for America to get stuff like that. When I was a boy in school in the mm -hmm. 70s, uh, we would read Weekly Reader, and it talked about you're going to be having uh, TV-type sets or walkie-talkie like Dick Tracy. You're going to look into it and see, and cell phones right. and things that eventually did come true, but mm -hmm. it took such a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Dick Tracy from the 30s had this wristwatch where he right. could talk to people. Right. Uh, also, the Japanese had high-definition television, I think, like early 1980s. Yeah. And it took us, you know, decades more to get that uh, here in America. So that's just another example. We seem to be slow to adapt, but we get to it eventually. Absolutely. Absolutely. This hour has blown by, and I have enjoyed it immensely talking with you. It was just so fascinating. I'm glad we got it uh, without being zapped by Mother Nature. Uh, <laughs> hopefully it will record and be on the air and uh, nothing will go wrong. But I sure enjoyed being on the air and talking about this. Maybe someday we can do another show on the Nixon Gleason book. I think we should. We should plan on yes, that. That's right. Absolutely. Okie <laughs> All right. I want to thank you for coming tonight. I appreciate it. And I do want to get you back on to talk about the other one. All right. It'll be coming out later in the spring, maybe early summer, and we'll okay. set a date for that one. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, Paul. You have a great rest of your evening and enjoy the show me state. I love All right. it. I love You're Missouri. most welcome. I yes. love the caves. You know, I love to go through the caves in Missouri. It's great. Yep. We got those. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Paul. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Oh, hang on. Before you go, how do people find you? Because I'll forget. Oh, uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook and a few different pages. Paul Blake Smith, author page. Uh, the Eisenhower and Nixon Encounters Facebook page, uh, mo41.info, my website, www.mo41.info. And uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. All right. <laughs> Sounds like me. I keep forgetting where I'm on. There's so many of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's right. okay, Paul, I will definitely be in touch with you to get this thing set up. Thank Very you so good. much. All right. You have a good one. All right. Boy, that was fascinating. That is a topic that I've been interested in since I was a kid. You know, my dad used to read that stuff, too. And like I mentioned, Argosy Magazine in the in the beginning of the show. You know, he used to read Argosy Magazine, and I used to see stuff about alien encounters all the time. All right. One thing to remember, tomorrow's show will be at 1 p.m. Pacific because we're going to be talking to somebody over across the pond, the U.K. So that's why. So we'll be on 1 p.m. Pacific, and we're going to be talking about fairies. Human contact with fairies. So that's going to be fun. And my guest is Joe Hickey Hall for that. So she'll be on tomorrow at uh, 1 p.m. Pacific. So don't forget, it's going to be an early show. But of course, you guys that get off work later will be able to see the, you know, see the replay on the show. Sorry, I was kind of giddy at the beginning of the show. It was really hot in here. And so the sweat was just pouring off. And so I think my head was kind of woo-woo there for a while. But it cooled off in here. I want to thank everybody that came in. I want to thank Jerry, Marisa, Pamela. I want to thank Cyan. I want to thank Samantha. I want to thank uh, Dad, California Dad or was it Dad Cal? I saw I saw his name pop up. So I want to thank everybody for coming tonight. If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated my show, five of your enemies. We are. Hang on, this thing's about to fall again. There we go. We don't want to have a drop mic. I don't know why I'm having all this luck like this lately. Oh. Uh, <laughs> We are equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio, and we're just trying to get the word out about our show. You know, that's all, that's all we want to do is get the word out about our show. And uh, if you feel it in your heart, whether you're watching from Facebook or YouTube, uh, if you feel it in your heart that uh, you liked it, please, please please show me some love and uh, give me a thumbs up or any kind of face thing that's happy or whatever, because we're trying to get the algorithm thing going in our direction as well. Okay, so just, just help me out there. And you can find us on YouTube. We have over 571 videos over there 
on different topics. So you can find us at youtube.com forward slash at, no, it's forward slash California Haunts Radio. The ads for PayPal. I get confused. It's <laughs> just some, like I told him, there's so many of them. If you want to find me on Instagram, I am Ghosty Gal, all lowercase on Instagram. Um, uh, we're also on Twitter under California Haunts. And uh, Facebook, we are on under my name. And we're also on under California Haunts on various pages. So I, I want to thank you all. And I'll see you tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening. And uh, keep looking. I could be like, yeah, like the astrology guy on KVIE. Keep looking up. See ya.